Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, fill me with the Holy Spirit, then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. A true friend accepts who you are, but also helps you become who you should be. Come on, can I get an amen right there? And we're going to get back to that statement and unpack that a little bit more. We've been on a series across all of our campuses, and we're calling it Life Doesn't Have to Be Scary. We've got that little logo up there, cute little dragon boy. Some of us might think, but Pastor Robert, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, you know, from financial setbacks to physical sickness to losing a family member or instability in our government. How about the war in Israel that's about to pull in maybe other countries or is pulling in other countries? There's a lot of crazy things going on. How can you say, Pastor Robert, how can you say, Lakeshore, Life doesn't have to be scary. Well, we can say that based on the words of Jesus. John 16, just a little bit of repeat. Jesus is speaking to his disciples because he knows he's about to go to the cross. He's going to be crucified, resurrected, and ascend back to heaven. So he's preparing them. And these are some of the last things he says. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, in this natural, temporary, ungodly atmosphere that you're living in, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't like that promise. In this world, you will have tribulation. It's not even a doubt. I mean, there's just... No doubt about it, Jesus is saying you're going to have stuff that happens. And the word tribulation means pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, adversity, affliction, crushing, or squashing. Come on, anybody ever have any of that stuff before? All of us have. And I think it's fair to say that obedience to God is not a guarantee against pain and sadness. Challenges have always been used by God to test and to build our faith and to stimulate in us in growth. Humility and compassion. Heartache and struggle can be divinely used by God to stretch us to where we have nowhere else to turn, sometimes except to God. And we have to remember that Christ's mission was never intended to prevent broken hearts, but to heal broken hearts. He came to wipe away our tears, not to guarantee that we would never cry. And when we walk with God as disciples, followers who are being changed and who are on mission with Jesus, this world doesn't have to be scary. 
And that's really what the point of this series is about. Life is scary at times if we're being truthful, but it doesn't have to be scary for you when you're in a covenant relationship with God and you're learning his promises and you're standing on his promises and you know who you are in him and you know who he is in you. Week one, we talked about the fact that the world doesn't have to be scary. We talked about the fact that because Jesus has overcome the world, you too can live as an overcomer, someone who's victorious, someone who conquers. In week two, we talked about money doesn't have to be scary. The love of money is the, come on, finish it with me, root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And we highlighted some things so that we can have a relationship, so to speak, with money so that it's not scary for us. And I highlighted three really important things. If you weren't here, go back and get the podcast. Number one, it's important that you surrender your life to God. If money's not going to be scary, we have to surrender our lives to God. Number two, we have to trust God to provide. And number three, this was a big one. You have to embrace God's plan for money. And then I had some sub-truths to that. Saving is important. Getting out of debt is important. Having a budget is important. Dave Ramsey is quoted saying, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And then I talked about how it's important that we learn to honor the Lord with our tithe and with our offering. If you missed it, grab the podcast. New information today. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 together. It's on your sermon guide, and I want to read it out of the New Living Translation to get us a start. King Solomon writes, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but who can stand back to back, but two can stand back to back and conquer? Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. A lot of commentaries would refer to that last part. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken, a lot of commentaries and scholars point to the fact that although this is talking about human relationships and the benefit of them, a human relationship with God in the middle of them making this three-braided cord will not be quickly broken. How many of you believe that we need God in the middle of all of our relationships? Look at verse 9 again. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Solomon, in his pursuit of wisdom and learning, he discovers that few things in life hold more value or enduring satisfaction than true friendships and true relationships. 
in these verses, Solomon reflects on the importance of companionship and the benefits of people sharing life and doing life together and working together. So the title of today's message is simply this, relationships don't have to be scary. Come on, say it with me. Relationships don't have to be scary. Well, relationships can be scary because they are complex. And truth be told, there's a possibility that all of us here, at least some of us, have had painful relationships or who have bad experience in relationships or have been hurt as a result of a relationship. And even though that's true, and I'm not denying it, relationships are valuable and God uses them to our benefit in so many ways. Someone once was quoted saying this, no relationship is all sunshine, but two people can share one umbrella and survive a storm together. This morning, we're going to look at three simple beneficial truths about relationships. But before I show you those truths, I want to preface those truths with some of these things. First of all, I'm not talking about any one type of relationship this morning in this message, but the principles from God's Word that apply to every kind of relationship, the principles. Number two, there are no perfect relationships that exist because all people are imperfect, but relationships can be better with God's help. And here's the third thing that I want to preface our truth with is this. Not all relationships are healthy. Relationships sometimes are toxic. It is at times necessary to create boundaries in relationships. And there are times that you need to create boundaries so strong for your health that you may have to cut off some relationships if they're harmful to you or if they're harmful to your spouse, or if they're harmful to your family, or if they're harmful to your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? So here's some fill-in-the-blanks. Three beneficial truths about relationships. Number one, relationships are God's idea, and we need relationships. Come on, say it with me, church. Relationships are God's idea, and we need relationships. God has not created you and me to live life to the full, alone and isolated. But rather, He has created us to live in relationships with one another. Let me just say this, and I want to speak to some of the people that might be watching or watching this later. I've met a lot of people in the community. I've met a lot of people who profess to be Christians or who are Christians, who follow God. But for one reason or another, they've made a decision to not have relationships with other people in a church setting, with a local church family. For one reason or another, they've taken on a mentality that because they've been hurt in the past or relationships are uncomfortable in one way or another, that they can just kind of do God all by themselves and experience everything that God has for them. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy The last thing the devil wants you to do is to get in a life-changing relationship with someone else who's walking with God in a church family who can encourage you and strengthen you. You were not created by God to try to do life with God alone. 
Pastor Robert, how can you say that? Well, Genesis 2.18 says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be, come on, finish it with me, alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I realize that this is speaking specifically between a man and a woman in marriage, but it applies to how God created us. And that is to be in relationships with others. In my Spirit-Filled Life Bible, I have a commentary, and this is what it says. A helper indicates that Adam's strength for all he was called to be and do was inadequate in himself. Comparable to him denotes complementary. The needed help is for daily work, mutual support through companionship, and procreation. Adam didn't have it in and of himself to be everything that God called him to be and to do everything that God called him to do. Look at Proverbs 18.21 out of God's Word translation. It says this, A loner is out to get what he wants for himself. He opposes all sound reasoning. What's a loner? Come on. What's synonymous for a loner? Any thoughts? Someone just trying to do it on their own. Someone who's kind of cut themselves off from other people. Just me and God, right? My way or the highway. It's just all for me. Well, this says that he's just out to get what he wants and he's cut off all sound reasoning. It's not reasonable from God's perspective to just be on your own, to not have these quality relationships. Think about this. Sometimes the blessing you really need is found in a relationship with another brother or sister in the Lord. I came across this article by the Mayo Clinic, and it was posted in January 2022. The title of the article was this, Friendships Enrich Your Life and Improve Your Health. This is what it says. Friendships can have a major impact on your health and well-being. But it's not always easy to develop or maintain friendships. It's wise to understand the importance of social connection in your life and what you can do to develop and nurture lasting friendships. What are the benefits of friendships? Good friends are good for your health. Friends can help you celebrate good times and provide support for you during bad times. Friends can prevent isolation and loneliness, and give you a chance to offer needed companionship too. Friends can also increase your sense of belonging and purpose. They can boost your happiness and reduce your stress, improve your self-confidence and your self-worth, help you cope with traumas such as a divorce, a serious illness, a job loss, or the death of a loved one, or encourage you, listen, to change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits. Adults with strong social connections have a reduced risk of many significant health problems. In fact, studies have found that older adults who have meaningful relationships and social support are likely to live longer than their peers with fewer connection and social support. Come on, say it after me. I need relationships. That was about three of us that agree with that. Come on, say, I need 
relationships. Now, I know some of you might be introverts and you might get a little uncomfortable. I'm not saying you have to be like me and be an extrovert and hang out with all kinds of people. But you, but you need a couple of people that can strengthen your walk with God, that can encourage you in life, that can pray with you and for you. Here's the second thing I want to show you. Number two, fill in the blank. Relationships require work, humility, and perspective. Let me explain. Work. In other words, we must be willing to intentionally invest in relationships and cultivate them. Proverbs 18.24, the front half says this. He who has friends must himself also be friendly. In other words, if you want friends, you have to be a friend. I've met a lot of people over the years in ministry who have visited our church or visited our church with hundreds of people, and they said, I just couldn't get connected. I couldn't make any friends. But there really isn't a lot of effort on their part either. They kind of gum at the end uh, of worship, and they just kind of stay in the back, and they're kind of keeping to themselves. And then as soon as the last strum is strummed on the guitar and we say goodbye, they're out. And they don't really make any effort to connect with other people. So I just want to encourage you and remind you that a good relationship is going to require some intentional effort. It's going to require some work. It's not something that just automatically happens. How about the fact that relationships take humility? We got to remember that humility opens our lives to the grace of God to flow through us and into our relationships. Listen to Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Lowliness of mind in the New King James basically means humility. It means having a humble yet confident in Christ opinion of oneself. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean you let people take advantage of you. It doesn't mean you don't know who you are in Christ. But there is a mindset like Jesus had that you prefer others before yourself and that you're willing to be humble and humility is kind of taking the lead in your relationship. Humility in a relationship will help the relationship become stronger and go a long way. Listen to what Peter writes. 1 Peter 5.5. He says that we should submit ourselves to one another and be clothed with humility. For God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. The proud person who is always thinking about himself, always wants his way, his way or the highway. He's not really humble. He doesn't have a low estimate of himself. Remember, confident of God, but he's also taking into consideration other people and their feeling. When you're clothed with humility, it gives grace a place in your life and a place in your relationship. Can't tell you how important that is in a husband and wife relationship or even two BFFs, friends. Sometimes they fall out because one is being prideful. Humility attracts God. Pride repels God, and he's not in the middle of that. So be reminded, relationships are better and stronger 
when we walk in humility with one another, when we're not selfish, when we think about other people. I can't tell you how many times Yolanda and I over the years have had the opportunity to be part of a small group discipleship relationship kind of environment. And it never fails that at some point during our small group relationships, there might be one or two people who go through a hard time in life. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's a financial setback. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe it's a bad doctor's report. And I can't tell you how many times I can give you example after example how a lot of times that group of friends will come around that person, for example, and maybe get them a card and everybody would write something in the card and strengthen them in whatever it is they need strengthened. Sometimes the group will pull some money together and help someone who needs just a little lift up financially for whatever it might be. Sometimes a friend will be with someone who's going through a really hard time, maybe a loss of a loved one or being with someone uh, at a friend's or a family member's hospital bedside. Listen, you don't have to serve God all by yourself. You have to make a decision to be a person who's going to work for relationship with God's people, work for relationship in your own families, and be a person who's going to be humble and prefer others before yourselves at times. That's not easy to do in our natural human tendencies, but it goes a long way. What do I mean by uh, perspective? Relationships require perspective. Well, we got to have the right perspective in regards to our relationships if our relationships are going to thrive. Let me tell you what I mean. Some relationships are seasonal. Some relationships are forever. If you get stuck trying to hold on to what was for the last season in a relationship, you will miss those people that God has placed right in front of you for relationship in this season. Does that make sense? So you got to have a perspective, and you got to realize some people aren't going to be with you forever. And honestly, most people aren't outside of family. So you got to have a right perspective. And let me say this. It's godly relationships that we really need. Relationships that are going to point us to Jesus and help us to become and do all he has for us are relationships that we should be going after. It's a big deal. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, Do not be deceived. Evil company, bad relationships, evil people in a relationship with you corrupt good habits. This is so important. The Bible says that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. So if you're a Christian, but you got a relationship with someone who doesn't want to serve God, who has no interest in serving God, who's going to make it difficult for you to serve God, and they've got all kinds of bad habits, I know you have a heart to win them. But you got to be careful because if there's no willingness on their side and you're deep into that relationship, that is going to affect you in a negative way. It's going to affect me in a negative way. So you got to be so careful and you got to have the right perspective in the relationships that you're going after. And godly relationships are the ones that we want to be following after as God's people. Can you say amen? It's so important. Don't mean to get into your business. I just want to give you a nugget of truth that you can... Put in your pocket. Here's the third fill in the blank. This is important. <clears throat> God can restore relationships. Come on, would you say that one with me? God can restore relationships. 
more than likely every single one of us has had a fallout in a relationship. Sometimes we're the ones who caused it. And sometimes it's the other person who hurt us, offended us, or sinned against us. Whatever the case may be, God can restore relationships. What does God use to restore relationships? Maybe a better way to ask the question is this. Who does God use to restore relationships? Can I be super honest with you? A lot of times He uses you. He uses us. Let me remind you of some scriptures. In John 13, 34, Jesus said, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Jesus was speaking this to his followers. Remember, if we want God to restore relationships that have been crinkled or damaged or we've had a fallout, the first thing we have to remember, if God's going to restore that relationship, I have to receive the love of God and begin to create that in my life as a foundation and the motivation for this relationship's restoration. It's so important that we do that. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says this. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, I know we don't use animal sacrifices. He was speaking to people who understood the Old Testament way to worship God. But if I were to break it down to today's terminology, you come to church service and you're worshiping God or you're going to give a tithe or an offering to God. And for one reason or another, the Lord just drops on your heart that person that you've had a falling out with. Maybe you were the one who caused it. Maybe they were the one who caused it. God doesn't really care. What he cares about is for that restoration to take place in that relationship. We not be in a place where you can go to them when you're in the middle of service. If you are and it's in the church family, go to them and make it right. If you can't, maybe after service you call them. Or you go to their house if you can. And you make it right. But Pastor Robert, they're the ones who offended me. They're the ones who sinned against me. They're the ones who hurt me. God doesn't care about that. He just cares about the restoration of the relationship. Remember, when you walk in love and you walk in humility and you realize that it's God's strength that will give you the ability to do these things, you'll be able to go to them and you'll be able to have some conversation and restore that relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that sometimes it seems impossible to restore relationship. Well, you have to decide. Is that a relationship that God said, hey, you need to have a strong boundary there. Or, hey, you need to kind of cut that off because it's not good for your health or your family. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying sometimes there's other scenarios in family maybe where I'm just being prideful because my sister hurt me and now I don't want to call her and I don't want to get that right. But as a Christian, I'm supposed to do everything I can to live at peace with people. So I might have to be the one who walks in humility and says, hey, sister, I know this happened. I just want you to know that I still love you. I still care about you. And I don't want anything to be between us. Family is so important. God wants to restore relationships. How about Ephesians 4, 31 and 32? 
This is what the Apostle Paul says. Listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, come on, somebody say instead. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I thought about this. We must forgive when we are wronged and seek out forgiveness when we are in the wrong. Does that apply to your life today? Has someone wronged you? And you know deep in your heart you should forgive? Pastor Robert, I can't. Well, let me remind you, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Got to remember, God forgives you and God forgives me every time we sin. Every day we mess up. His mercies are new every morning. Because God forgave you, you should be a person who's quick to forgive others. Sometimes in my devotional time as I'm praying through the Lord's Prayer, come on, you know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What else does it say? Come on. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Uh Uh-oh. Stop. Yikes. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to forgive me as I forgive that person? Does that literally... What if I don't forgive that person? Does that mean you're not going to forgive me? I don't even want to know the answer. Let's just stay away from that question. Just know this. When I harbor unforgiveness towards someone, there's something clogging the flow of God's grace in my life. And not only that, but I'm harboring unforgiveness to get back at somebody, and you know who it's really eating up? Me. Does me no good to harbor unforgiveness. So I pray that prayer, and then a lot of times I'll say, Father, freely I've received, therefore freely I give. Freely I've received forgiveness, freely I give forgiveness. I make a decision right now to hold no unforgiveness, no offense, no ought, no ill will. I don't want to harbor anything against anybody in Jesus' name. Freely I've received, freely I give, and I'll tell you the truth. More times than not, when I do that, I think of one or two people that have hurt me and that I know I just need to let it flow. Come on, can you relate? Now, you guys are perfect. You never harbor any unforgiveness, do you? Come on, we need to be people that are forgiving. So what did we cover today? Number one, relationships are God's idea and we need relationships. Come on, do you believe that? Let me say this. If you're not in a connect group, small group, discipleship group that we offer at our church, let me encourage you in a loving pastoral way. Jump in one. You're going to be sharpened. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be strengthened. You're going to be prayed for. This is good. Coming and listening to the word and worshiping. But there's a whole different dynamic 
when you sit around a table with other people and you're pursuing God together and you're studying the Scriptures together and you're encouraging and challenging and sharpening one another and praying for one another, that's what Jesus did with His disciples. If you want to go to a whole other level in your relationship with God, that kind of relationship environment makes a big difference. I'll never pressure you. I just want to encourage you. That kind of a relationship makes a big difference. We have one on Wednesday night, 6.30 here. There's one that takes place on Tuesday morning at Krista's house in Clover. Uh, we just moved our Saturday morning, uh, excuse me, our Tuesday morning to Saturday mornings for men at Dunkin' Donuts. We had five guys yesterday. Not five guys burgers. Five guys. We met together at Dunkin' Donuts. And it was good, wasn't it? Josh, it was good. Man, it was good. Here's the second thing we covered. Relationships require work, humility, and perspective. A good relationship doesn't just happen. What you sow, you will also reap. If you want a good relationship, you want a good friend, you have to be one. By the way, I'm not perfect at this. You know that statistically speaking, pastors are some of the loneliest people in the church. Not easy for pastors to have lifelong relationships. People come and go. Sometimes pastors feel like they can't be themselves because a congregation might see them as being less than perfect. I know you know I am, but no pastor wants to be known as something below what he's preaching or teaching. And no pastor's perfect, so they struggle with relationship. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me to become better and to be an example. Jesus called people to himself so that they would be with him in relationship and he was transparent and he was authentic but it takes work it's not easy here's the third thing we covered god can restore relationships do you have a loved one a family member a friend or you need restoration god can restore listen to what paul said Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, be restored in your relationship to God. For He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God is the greatest example of one who went first to bring restoration to relationship. Your relationship with Him. My relationship with Him. And He wants to flow that restorative heart to you and through you so that family, friends, people in the body of Christ can have strong Christ-centered Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.